And welcome everybody, you are listening to the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, Alex Ivers Perch back again on this Thursday the 30th. We have a busy day today, a lot of topics to talk about, let's get to the topics and the list. Latest on Giants training camp, David Sills on the COVID-19 list, Alex Tanney and rookie Tay Crowder are on the non-football injury list, and Nate Solder opted out, we'll get into that. Also, the takeaways from yesterday's game against the Baltimore Orioles. The Yankees won that game 9-3. The preview in the rest of the series in Baltimore. Jay Happ versus John Means today. And the preview with the Red Sox series at home. Jordan Montgomery and Masahiro Tanaka are expected to pitch this weekend. But first, I'd like to get off an announcement here. In about two weeks almost... On August 12th, I will be interviewing former MLB umpire, over 30-year veteran Dale Scott. I'll be discussing some stuff with him related to baseball and his umpiring career, of course. And the other announcement is that, as of right now, it's still up in the air, but I might not have a podcast episode out next week. I will be away. I'll be in Pennsylvania. I might bring my podcast stuff. I might not. But I still want to talk to you guys on Twitter and everything else. But I'll see if I'm bringing my podcast equipment up there so I could still do the show. Obviously, I'll let you guys know. But thank you guys for supporting us on Twitter. We reached over 600 followers. We're still a little stagnant on Instagram. So if you haven't already, please follow the Instagram page. We're just as active. Well, Twitter really more active, but we still post the same. We still post to our story, the tweets, and everything going on with the Giants and the Yankees. So... Without further ado, let's get into it. So, training camp kicked off on Tuesday, and the Giants had some roster moves to make, and also some decisions to make and whatever, but padded practices aren't beginning till later on in training camp, of course, that's going to start in August. Now, I'm going to get to the shoulder topic in a minute, but Ryan Connolly's back, obviously, we've talked about camp battles, we've talked about all that other stuff. We'll get to one of the most important camp battles in a couple of seconds. But David Sills, the former undrafted West Virginia wide receiver, ended up on the COVID-19 list. He either contracted COVID-19 or he was in relation or had somebody around him who possibly had it and he came in contact with it. So he's probably going to quarantine himself and then get back to football. Obviously, it is a two-week thing, I believe, if it's... COVID-19 list, you have to quarantine yourself, but it's for the better of the team as of right now, and hopefully he gets back to his health, or he doesn't have the virus at all, which would be the most fortunate. Not unfortunate, but fortunate for the Giants. Obviously, he's going to be in that wide receiver group, competing for the 4, 5, and 6 spots. Alex Tanney and Tay Crowder ended up on the non-football injury list. They remain active, but they also stay on the roster. They count towards the 90-man. Now, the rule that the Giants are taking is that they will keep 90 men till August 16th, 17th, whenever that deadline is, and then they'll cut down to 80, and then eventually they'll cut down to 53 at the end of the preseason. Oh, I'm sorry, it's not a preseason. We can't call it that because there's no games, but it's really training camp and summer competition, really summer camp as well. But Giants will stick to the 90 man till August 16th, and then towards the end of the summer they'll start cutting people so those two remain on the non-football injury list which a lot of people go on but that's not the main topic i want to get to topic i want to get to is that nate solder has opted out of the 2020 season 
Now, there's a lot of mixed reviews about this, especially on Giants Twitter. Some people are celebrating, some people are not. Some people are saying, oh, why are you celebrating? A lot of different views, of course, amongst Giants Twitter fans and Giants fans in general. Here's how I see it. Nate Solder, he had to make this decision. And I wrote an article for Last Word on Sports, Last Word on Pro Football. Essentially the same thing, part of the Last Word on Sports website. If you haven't already, check it out. I put the link in one of my Twitter posts. You're probably going to have to scroll up for it if you want it. Just DM me. But I said that it's going to be a tough decision for him. His son, Hudson, is battling cancer. We wish them the best. But his career is in jeopardy right now. And obviously, family comes first. And he's made a lot of money over his career. And we have to get to the basis of the point here. Now, Giants fans are saying, oh, well, great that he's gone now. We have Andrew Thomas. Well, that's not really the right thing to say or the way to say it. Now, I also will not defend the people that are going after the people saying it's Andrew Thomas season. They're like, oh, why would you celebrate it's Andrew Thomas season? You know, Nate Solder's kid has cancer or whatever. Why is it a good thing? Why are you saying that? Well... Cut the crap for two minutes. Cut the crap for two minutes. If you are pissed off by what somebody's saying or what you think they're saying or what you possibly insinuating somebody's saying, then either ignore it or don't even complain at all. Or don't even just assume. Because that's been happening on Giants Twitter a lot. And the host for the Murph and the Madge podcast, shoutouts to them. They follow me on Twitter and I follow them back, obviously. But uh, Murph actually got attacked by somebody on Twitter because they thought he was actually celebrating that Nate Solder is opting out of the season. Obviously, but he basically said, no, I wasn't celebrating, but you guys need to calm down with this stuff. Here's my point on it. My point is this. If you're celebrating that Andrew Thomas is most likely going to be the starting left tackle, celebrate that. Don't celebrate that Solder's opting out. It would be a bad thing regardless of the situation. If his son didn't have cancer and he opted out, it wouldn't necessarily be a good thing for the Giants. Also, it wouldn't be a good thing for him. But he had to make the decision, and that's final. We support it, and the Giants fans truly support it in their hearts, and we wish him the best. Now, with the whole training camp battle thing, I think Thomas should be the starting left tackle now. There is no fencing around it. Thomas, he faced the best competition in the SEC and the best competition in college, especially from first round picks, Clavin Chison, or however you say his name, he dominated him against LSU. Take a look at the other draft picks that were picked this year. He dominated most of them. Many Giants fans saw the video where Chase Young was up against Thomas in some sort of practice, and Thomas totally dominated him. I'm not saying that, of course, it's going to be like that in the NFL, but compared to the other tackles that are qualified for the left tackle position, it's definitely an upgrade, and it definitely, in my opinion, he has more good qualifications. Now, right tackle is a different story, but a lot of people are saying, oh, why don't Fleming start at left tackle? Well, let me explain something to you, and this is my opinion, of course, and a lot of Giants fans share the same opinion. The Giants didn't draft Andrew Thomas to start at right tackle. They wanted him to be an immediate impact at left tackle and then possibly move Solder to right tackle or do whatever. But why would you put Cameron Fleming at left tackle? A lot of Giants fans are saying that the other Giants fans who actually think that are scared of the Eric Flowers monologue. Well, I'm going to put it to you this way. They are. And for different reasons. Because everybody's saying, oh, what if he turns into Eric Flowers? No, he's a fourth overall pick. Well, Thomas had better tape coming out of college. The Giants reached for Eric Flowers because they knew it was a need. 
And Flowers was initially supposed to start at right tackle, then Beatty got injured, and they moved him to left tackle, and of course the disaster started there. So that was back then, but this is now. Thomas was a left tackle in college, and why would you transition him with no preseason at all to right tackle? He learns that, and then he has to move back to left tackle. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And if you look at it, over the past couple years, I don't care if it's college, I don't care if it's high school, I don't even care if it's NFL. You look at Cam Fleming. He played better at right tackle with the Patriots than he did at the left tackle position with the Cowboys when he did get opportunities. He gave up sacks to Olivier Vernon in 2018. He also surrendered some pressures and some mistakes to the Jets when Tyron Smith and Lael Collins were out. They had to use that undrafted free agent. I think his name is like Dan Knight or something like that. But Fleming started at left tackle, and I don't know if he did so well. I don't know that he did so well. It definitely had an impact on the game if Tyron Smith wasn't there. But you look over the last couple of years, Thomas has played more than Fleming at left tackle. So why not insert him directly? It just doesn't make any sense in my opinion. When I'm thinking of right tackle, I'm honestly thinking of either putting Fleming or Gates there. Pert's not going to be ready right out of the gate. And Gates could play center or he could play right tackle. Honestly, if you want my opinion, I could possibly go with either. Fleming has more game experience than Gates does. And he's played more years than Gates at right tackle and even in the NFL. But if you're going to transfer to the Gates argument... Well, Gates did better the last season, and he started right tackle two games, and he did better than Fleming did at left tackle. Two different positions, but you face more eloquent rushes on the right side. Everybody has seemed to admit that. When Chad Wheeler was the right tackle after Eric Flowers got benched, he faced J.J. Watt, Cam Jordan, a lot of rushers like that. So... They're not just saying, oh, the left side is the power side. Maybe put Fleming there or something like that. No, the power side is the left side. You're right. But the right side also has to face the more explosive rushers. But also you could go with the Nick Gates argument and say, well, if they're looking for the offensive line of the future, Fleming's not going to be in the future. Gates is. So it's going to be interesting what they do with this offensive line setup. But you could equally split that argument. Yeah, Fleming has more game experience at right tackle, but Gates also did better. Gates also did better last season, and he also is younger, so he could be a more formidable lineman in the future. Whether he goes to center or even stays at right tackle, he probably won't if Peart is going to start late in the season or possibly next season. Peart has to get some game time in, but not right off the bat. That would be a bad decision. Let me tell you something. But to finish off the subject. It's sad that Solder opted out. Thomas is now getting his time at left tackle. Hopefully, I don't want him to play right tackle. Just play left tackle right off the bat. You know, get the experience, get the struggles out right now, this season, and really a dysfunctional season. So get it out now, and then when everything counts next year and when everything is normal next year, you could play at your highest level, even get higher throughout your career. And also with the right tackle thing, obviously you could go with either side. But personally, I would put Gates for the sake of play. But if you want to go out and win some games, you put Fleming at right tackle. If you care about the future, put Gates at right tackle. So that's how I finish this current argument and the solder topic overall. But one more thing before I get into the baseball topics, obviously the takeaways from last night's Orioles game, the preview, and obviously the preview against the Red Sox. Graham Gano was released today. The Panthers 
released him because of cap reasons and because also he was injured last year and they have Joey Sly now, the former giant undrafted free agent, if guys can remember him. But the main point of the emphasis that I'm bringing this up here is I think he could compete. And I know he had a broken femur, I believe, the last year and a half, but slowly get him ready back again. Obviously, the preseason is gone now, and that's not going to help. But I would rather him than Catanzaro, and I know the injury is going the way, but if you want my opinion personally, I would take Gano as a better kicker, even though he is older, but the Giants should make the best decision at kicker this season. But they both have their flaws. Catanzaro hasn't played in almost a year, and Gano, same thing. But Gano didn't retire. He was just injured. So make your argument on that. But I still think, however this kicking situation goes, I still think that they should bring in competition for Catanzaro knowing he hasn't played in a year. So that's how I will finish up the football topics. We're going to get into the baseball topics now. But first, looking for the coolest gaming gear to finish up your setup? Are you not willing to buy the same headphones at Best Buy or GameStop because a week later you will have to come back for a refund? That is where AltodoWithGaming.com comes into play. They sell the best gaming technology from gaming computers, monitors, and laptops to light up keyboards, chairs, headphones, and more. Get 30% off your entire order with the promo code BIGBLUE30. That is BIGBLUE30. Stop being ripped off by GameStop and other big stores and go to AltodoWithGaming.com now. You won't regret it. Now back to the Yankees, Orioles, takeaways from last night, and more topics on the way. Okay, so now we are into our first baseball topic, which are the takeaways from Yankees' win yesterday against the Orioles 9-3. Now let's dive into those topics, shall we? Garrett Cole looked good, and everyone's saying, well, Cole has given up four runs in two starts, and he hasn't been, you know, the same as he was. He hasn't been dominant. Well, he's still been getting the wins and helping this team, so let's look at his stats real quickly. He went six and two-thirds, four hits, three earned runs, Two walks, seven Ks, and one home run. That home run being by Dwight Smith Jr., of course. Also, some other takeaways as far as the offense goes. Sanchez and Gardner continue to struggle. Gardner, so far this season, does not look like a shell of his former self. And had four strikeouts last night. Gary Sanchez doesn't have any pitch recognition or plate discipline so far this season. He had three strikeouts last night against Asher Wojcikowski and the rest of the Orioles' bullpen. Both Aaron's hit dingers yesterday. Judge was in a little bit of a funk, but came out of that and hit a home run. In the third inning, of course, and Aaron Hicks followed with a two-run shot of his own. His batting average is 182, while Judge is 267 on the season. The bullpen did their job. Now, everyone wants to say that the Orioles suck. Well, they're 2-2 two two right now. But take a look at the Yankees' bullpen stats, Avalon, Green, and Chris. They did solid last night in the innings they pitched. Three strikeouts combined, two walks combined, and only gave up one hit the rest of the way through. So, a very good night for the Yankees' bullpen as well. And even after the whole coronavirus thing, DJ LeMayu is himself. He was 4-5 for five last night. Led off last night's game with a home run. How impactful is that, especially making your remark after your COVID-19 diagnosis? LeMayhew also hit an RBI single last night, which contributed to the lightning bolt of offense the Yankees had last night. Brooks Crisk, as a individual point out, he looked pretty good last night. Two strikeouts and one walk in his Major League debut. Also remarkable, probably not in a good way, as a lot of people perceive the Orioles as a bad team. I don't think they're there yet when it comes to winning. 
but only four out of the nine lineup starters in the lineup for the Yankees only got hits. It was LeMahieu, it was Judge, it was Hicks, and it was also Giancarlo Stanton. Talkman filled in for Hicks, and Wade filled in at second base for Ford, and obviously LeMahieu switched over to first base. But those are my overall takeaways from the Game 1 of the series. Obviously, Game 2 is being played tonight. So hopefully I get this podcast out before tonight. If not, then obviously you guys will see the preview and know what's up and what I think. So let's preview the rest of the series, which is tonight, Hap versus John Means. Now let's take a look at Jay Hap's last year's stats. And here they are, and I'll tell them to you. Also, the graphic will be presented. So last year, 12-8, and 8, a 4.91 ERA. Started 30 games, appeared in 31, 161 in the thirds innings, 160 hits, 88 runs, 88 of them earned, 34 home runs, 49 walks, and 140 strikeouts. Obviously, you guys can take a look on baseball reference and my graphic for the K's per nine inning and the walks per nine inning and the hits per nine inning and the whip as I call it, and many people do as well. Now, let's take a look at John Mean's stats going back to last year. He actually had a decent record for a sucky team. 12-11, 3.60 ERA, 31 games, 27 of them he started. He also pitched 155 innings, 138 hits, 68 runs, 62 of them earned, 23 home runs, 38 walks, and 121 strikeouts. Obviously, you could take a look at the awards and also the other WHIP stats and other stuff as well. Now, I'm going to make a confusing take. But it's going to be somewhat relatable. I think that the Yankees might actually have a tough time against John Means. I don't know what he pitched like in the exhibition games. I don't know what he pitched like before spring training was actually a thing. But I'm going to tell you from an honest standpoint, I think Hap should do good tonight. But Means probably gives him a good challenge. I'm not going to say that Means will be a Cy Young Award winner in this game. But I think he's going to put it to the challenge. But... Honestly, I don't know if the Orioles offense will back him up, so we'll see what happens with that tonight. But if they don't, I think the Yankees will take advantage of John Means. Let's just say he gives up one run and the Orioles' next two innings are not going to be able to support him with their laggy offense. The Yankees will take advantage if Means gets to a high pitch count, and they will take advantage and they will win the series. Now, before we go to the Red Sox preview, obviously, the other night... There was a bench-clearing, social distancing brawl between Joe Kelly and Carlos Correa and the Dodgers and the Astros. So let me talk about it a little bit. Now, I'm not going to say that it was right for Joe Kelly to start mouthing off and mocking Carlos Correa. Honestly, from a fan standpoint, I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. And I still don't have respect for him because of the Tyler Austin incident and what he did. But when it comes to this situation, I would laugh at what... Kelly's doing and how Correa was being a baby but there's also serious topics to bring up and let me do that right now so obviously with the whole brawl nothing actually happened it was just trash talk between each other and then the Astros started coming out say hey how does he have the right to do that blah 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 blah. now let me ask a question why in the world is Joe Kelly suspended eight games now he should be suspended realistically maybe like four or five but why is he being suspended more than any Astros player. The Astros were 
mouthing off, and they were saying, oh, we didn't cheat. And then when stuff about the Yankees and the Red Sox come out, they're like, oh, yeah, they shouldn't be talking now. Like, don't even. Don't be such a smartass because you know what's coming to you. I'm not going to say what Joe Kelly did was right in the hitting also. He tried hitting Alex Bregman and Carlos Correa as well. But you guys made the ultimate decision in 2017 to cheat and to illegally steal signs. That is that. I don't care if Alex Cora implemented it. I don't care if AJ Hinch implemented it. Honestly, AJ Hinch is less of a leader and that's going to show for any team because he allowed this to happen. Now, Going to the punishment standpoint, obviously I'm not going to explain the amount of punishment that Manfred gave the Astros. He gave him a slap on the wrist. Let's be honest. He fined the million dollar, billion dollar owner about five million dollars. I think he took away their draft picks too. I don't know. I can't specify. But also the GM and the manager were suspended. AJ Hinch and obviously the GM both resigned as well. But the players didn't get anything. The players who actually executed the sign stealing did not get anything. And there were tips about, oh, possibly it was in 2019 too, but obviously Manfred said no evidence whatsoever. And it's not like Manfred didn't see this coming. Everybody was going to hit an Astro when they got the chance. Don't tell me, oh, well, you know, it's a 60-game season, they're not going to hit them. Yes, they are, because they didn't get the right direct punishment, and they started talking crap. Maybe they deserved it, maybe they didn't. Honestly, the players should shut up if they're talking crap. And I'm talking, of course, the Astros players. I've said this multiple times. And then Manfred, you have him sucking him off. And Chris Carlin, too. Manfred, why? Because he gave him a slap on the wrist, and he's going to suspend Joe Kelly and Dave Roberts. I mean, I can understand Joe Kelly, but why eight games in a 60-game season, and then you're going to have Dave Roberts one game? Like, I understand the whole thing about oh you didn't control your player and this is another thing too the commissioner of baseball Manfred obviously he went after the Dodgers oh you're not social distancing and how about the Astros how about you talk about the Astros and the fact that they came out of their dugouts the Dodgers never came out of their dugouts until the Astros came out of theirs Correa couldn't handle it like an adult and his teammates came to back him up obviously it was trash talks and yeah but I could get behind oh maybe backing up your teammates everything look at the year we're having the marlins many of their players got infected a assistant to the phillies and a clubhouse assistant as well they got covid19 so now they got to go home the phillies postponed their games the marlins they got so many players on the covid19 list or whatever it's not even funny but then again you're gonna let the astros pass by and come out of their dugouts to stick up for their player and then some of them weren't wearing masks. So how are you going to implement that? Are you going to punish them? No, you're not going to do that because you are a wuss. And you're soft on the Astros. But you're going to punish people for at least getting their revenge. And even this is the Dodgers. And then you got Chris Carlin, the ESPN radio host from the 7 to 10 show on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Saying, oh, well, if he hit him in the ribs, he wouldn't have been suspended. And I agree with this eight-game suspension. Why don't you talk about the Astros social distancing, Chris? Why don't you talk about that? Why don't you talk about and at least realize your point was wrong? Because if he would have hit him in the ribs and maybe even said a little bit of things, he would have been suspended. Why? Because the Dodgers are getting their revenge by hitting him in the ribs. And, of course, MLB would have been investigating that sooner than later, sooner than they investigated the Astros incident. So stop giving me all this bull crap. 
And then he came out with a tweet later on that says, Oh, my opinions are mine. I'm not a fake person. Blah, 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 blah. You know what? Stick to your opinions and at least support them. But make valid points too. Don't just make points and takes just to be an ass of yourself. And also another thing. I don't get why MLB writers have to be so up the ass of the MLB. And of course, I'm talking about the people on MLB Network and also the MLB beat writers. Andrew Marchand yesterday, oh, I think this second base rule is going to work out. Well, you know what? I don't agree with that. And of course, for MLB writers, why don't you have an opinion of your own so you could get more views? Why don't you do that? At least some of the Giants beat reporters, they get views on their articles because they make different points. Sure, they may be stupid, but you know what? At least his points is just not agreeing with the MLB on everything. The second base rule, in my opinion, it's stupid because it's speeding up the game and Manfred is trying to ruin baseball and make it so it could cater to these millennials who don't have an attention span for three hours, so we got to make it two hours and 50 minutes. Stop doing that. And you know what's going to happen, everyone? If the second base rule doesn't work out and everybody gets stuck on extra innings and then one game goes in the 18th inning with the second base rule still intact, Manfred's like, oh, this is going to be not quick enough. We're going to push that runner to third. You know what? That's not quick enough. Let's push a runner home and make it so the away team has an advantage and is basically like another bottom of the ninth inning. I may be in a new generation, but I certainly ain't stupid. And I'm for the MLB pastime stuff. Not all this new analytics crap and everything else. But that's my point on the whole MLB thing regarding the second base rule and the brawl that happened the other night. So let's finally skip into this Red Sox preview. So here are the probables, what it looks like to be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday against Boston. The 7 o'clock game on Friday, it's going to be Montgomery and Ryan Weber. Zach Godley and Masahiro Tanaka on Saturday. And Sunday, it's going to be James Paxton versus Matt Hall. I never even heard of Matt Hall. I don't know who the hell he is. But I'll certainly give you guys the stats. Now, obviously, since last season, it's going to be Tanaka's and Montgomery's first pitching opportunity, which is going to be really interesting to see. Montgomery did look good in the exhibition game, and Tanaka has been really doing well in his rehab coming back from that line drive to the face. And Paxton, obviously, coming out of the last start, didn't look so good, and hopefully he rebounds. So let's take a look at... Jordan Montgomery's stats from last season, here they are. He was 0-0, obviously, no decisions there. He started one game, appeared in two games, 6.75 ERA, four innings pitched, seven hits, three earned runs, one home run, and five strikeouts. So obviously, because of the Tommy John surgery and everything, he didn't get many opportunities. So hopefully, he's like himself from the exhibition game and does dominantly. Now, let's take a look at... Ryan Weber's stats from his last start, of course. Obviously, this start was against the O's. Three and two-thirds innings pitched, six runs, six earned, six hits, three walks, two home runs. So, a preview for their pitching staff for the series doesn't look that appetizing. So, hopefully, the Yankees destroy them. And coming out of that game, he has a 14.73 ERA. So, hopefully... The Yankees have an offense that day they verse them, and hopefully they destroy them, of course, because the Red Sox and Yankees and Red Sox hate each other. Obviously, it's a rivalry. So let's look at the next start, which is Masahiro Tanaka and Zach Godley. Tanaka was 11-9 last year, 4.45 ERA. That's the highest in his MLB career, by the way. 32 games, 31 started. He had 182 innings pitched, 186 hits, 95 runs, 90 of them earned. 28 home runs, 
40 walks and 149 Ks. Now let's take a look at Zach Godley's last appearance. That was against the Mets. The Mets won 7-4 in Boston. So let's take a look at his stats from that appearance. Actually, beside the other pitchers on the staff, other than Heath Hembry and Valdez, Godley actually did pretty good. Four hits, four innings pitched, and seven Ks. So that is something to look forward to if you're a Red Sox fan. Seven Ks against the Mets, even though it's the Mets, it's still a positive stat in a negative pitching staff. But he was used out of the bullpen there. So it's going to be interesting how they use him as a starter. Will they do a bullpen day? Will they do something like that? It's going to be interesting to see. But for right now, positive stats for him and kudos to him so far. So let's take a look at Matt Hall's stats from his last appearance. He is at 10.13 ERA, obviously spanning from that one start. Two and two-thirds innings pitched, three runs, three hits, three of them earned, meaning the runs, two walks, and three Ks. Now let's bounce over to Paxton's last appearance against the Washington Nationals. He didn't do that well. Let's take a look here. One inning pitched. Obviously, the second inning, he didn't record an out, so that's not an official inning. Five hits, three earned runs, one walk, one K, and a 27 ERA. So if you're looking at this series, you have to preview something. The Red Sox are not what they were in the past, probably because Ron Renneke is the manager and it's not Alex Cora. Alex Cora boosted them to winning seasons of the last two years, and Cora resigned due to the scandals that were coming out last offseason. So will they hire Cora after his suspension this year? I don't know. But this pitching staff looks shaky, but I wouldn't totally sleep on their offense, even though they beat up Baltimore and they beat the Mets last night 6-5, Workman getting the save. So the Yankees can't play down to the competition, especially with this series and going into August, because these games mean a lot and towards the playoffs, even though expanded playoffs, but I would still like to take the division in this year. But a final last look at this series. If you're the Yankees, try to take two out of three. If you can, take all three games. Personally, my prediction, I think that the Red Sox will at least take one game. Maybe that is the ESPN game. But I'll predict they take the second game of the series on Fox, in which the Nationals did the same thing. So we'll see what happens there. But Paxton, he's obviously looking for a rebound. And Montgomery and Tanaka are looking for solid first starts of the season. So that is my preview on the rest of the Red Sox series spinning in the next week. So thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Thank you guys for sticking along. Remember, our podcasts are available on Podbean, Spotify, CastBox, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Also, check the YouTube channel for new videos and streams. I will be doing a lot of them probably after the week I come back. So hopefully I get those all in before Madden 21 comes out. And I'll probably start a new thing on there. But I have to get all my Madden streams done so I can get the game and I don't have to worry about leaving anything behind. Remember, if you want to write for All New York Sports, the site I'm an advisor at, also an editor as well, please DM me or possibly contact the All New York Sports Instagram page, not the Twitter page, the Instagram page, because the Twitter page has been active for a little bit, and once we get on WordPress, we're going to start getting that active again as well. If you join us, you probably will be paid within the next couple of weeks because WordPress does ads and you'll be paid through those ads if your article does good with the SEO key phrase and all that stuff with Google rankings. But I'll also tell you guys if you're not getting paid in the first couple of weeks because 
of the transition and we're still trying to figure things out. Follow our social media pages on Instagram and Twitter at Big Blue in the Bronx Podcast. I'll update you guys if I'm doing a podcast next week or not. Thank you guys for listening and we will see you next time.